Hi, I'm Rachel. Welcome to the Freedom and Champagne podcast. We all want freedom, but we can't agree on how to get there. The reality is that the definition of freedom is defined by the individual. Turn up your volume, sit back, and let's listen to others talk about their freedom journey. This is a space where we celebrate diversity, equity, inclusion, and everything that makes us different. I celebrate with a glass of champagne. I can't wait to hear about how others celebrate their freedom journey. Let's meet today's guest. It was a really big piece of my journey, and I always have these little bookmarks in your journey where you put a page mark and you could highlight this section of your life because Sometimes you have to understand when God puts things in your life that are obstacles, you have to learn how to praise God through that because on the other side of that horrible experience with my sister dying, a horrible boss, was how my entrepreneurial journey started. You are going to love this podcast with multi-million dollar CEO, Kara Sachs. Kara Sachs is the Chief Executive Officer of the Sachs Agency and is proud to be one of today's thought leaders on multicultural, collaborative, and digital marketing. She is a proud graduate of Howard University. We see you, HU. Kara has propelled herself through the corporate ladder at various organizations to shape and ultimately fulfill her entrepreneurial dream. Her mission is is to shake up the lily white field of marketing and advertising and to bring a delicate balance of analytics and creative chops to the core of the firm's solutions. Her role as CEO includes expanding corporate direction, providing executive insight, managing strategic development, and developing client relations. Some of her clients include Howard University, the State of California Housing Authority, Whoopi Goldberg, Fox Soul, Colgate University, and Kyrie Irving, just to name a few. Sachs's strategic vision is to build the agency to be the largest Black-owned, women-led firm in the United States of America. Kara is fearless. She's a thought leader working with companies and organizations to develop transformative solutions with a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. She is passionate and committed to equity in education and empowering women to live boldly and confidently. Her philanthropic footprint spans across various organizations around the globe and in the areas of education, mentorship, sponsorship, and advocacy for underrepresented communities. She is dropping knowledge that you don't want to miss. It is with extreme pleasure that I get to introduce you to my homegirl, Kara Sachs. Hi, Kara. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. It's so good to see you. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Kara, tell everybody who you are. How do you describe yourself? Who is Kara? Superwoman right now. Cape-like. I have my cape on. Like a lot of moms in the world, I am balancing being a mother of two small children, a five and a three-year-old running my business and supporting a staff of fantastic people who also need to be cared for in a unique way during this time. I'm definitely a visionary and proudly walk in the gift of vision. And I'm an advocate. 
I think people use that term and refer to themselves as advocates a little. I, I don't use that term too loosely. I'm proud to say I'm a true advocate. Yes, I love That's that. Him. That's who you are. Kara, what was your first job? What was your first hustle? Oh, gosh. I worked at the Rainforest. I was the elephant girl at the <gasps> Rainforest Cafe. You know me more than a lot of your listeners. I was also a Hooters girl. So take your judgment, your judgy hey, viewers away. Me too. Welcome, welcome to the club. Hey, I was a Hooters girl and I was the best Hooters girl. Thank you. I would keep little handwritten cards for customers who gave me $100 tips or more. They would get a handwritten note that I would grab in the back. I had regulars. I was a great Hooters girl and proud of it. When I graduated from college, Howard University, HU, you know, okay. I went into a fantastic program, which was a corporate executive training program. And we had the opportunity to live in a different city every six months to a year and follow some of the executive leadership at the company. And it was probably the most, one of the most meaningful corporate experiences I've ever had. Shout out to Lincoln Financial Group. That's who had this this amazing program. I guess it was an internship. It was my first job. That was my first entry to understand how big business works from the top down and decisions were made. They also at the time invested a lot in training in us. So the same training that their executive leadership received was the same training that we received. And we had a lot of testing, the Myers-Briggs and all of those types of things were interesting to find out about myself in a, in a deeper way. That's an incredible program. I wonder if they still do that. That is quite an experience to be able to relocate every six months and just see what that's like. So why Howard? Why did you go to an HBCU? It was an accident. The best accident I've ever made. One of my best friends at the time, and still is, Keisha Steele, I went to go visit her in a pre-freshman program. And she was, you know, everybody knew us as like, she was the nerdy one. I was the fun one. Of course, she was going to the pre-freshman chemistry program, right? <laughs> and I was going to party with her at the pre-freshman chemistry. <laughs> I went there and this was like four weeks before school started. And I know this is going to sound a little bit corny and cheesy, but when I stepped on those grounds, mm. it felt like home. And I knew it was divine. It was all of those things. Well, the problem was I hadn't applied to Howard University. I hadn't applied there. I didn't have money to go there. I think this was probably the first time that I had to exercise real hustle. I was telling my best friend, I'm like, I got to go talk to the head of admissions. I have to come to this school with you. Not to mention like the parties were on point. So it was like, (laughs) The grounds felt sacred. It felt like people were handling their business, but also they, so it was really fitting for a girl like me at the point. At yeah. Janice Nicholson, she's no longer with us. She passed. She was the, the VP, I believe. I don't want to get her title wrong. She was the head honcho, the HBIC over in the missions office. I remember going in there and waiting for hours to speak to this woman. And I said, I know you don't know me and I don't know you, but I need you to take a chance on me. And I need to come here. God told me I'm supposed to be here and I haven't applied and I don't even know what programs you have or anything, but this, this is my school. Yeah. And I'm a bison. I need you to make that happen for me. And let me tell you something. (laughs) Not only did she make it happen for me, she gave me a scholarship that I did not deserve. (laughs) 
I definitely did not deserve that. And she believed in me. She saw something in me that I did not know was in myself. And I'm so grateful for her. Rest her soul. She's an angel of mine. I'm so grateful for that experience. I'm so grateful for Keisha being the nerd that she is and going to the pre-chemistry program there. I will tell you, I am still mad at my mom until this day for not encouraging me to go to HBCU. I'm raised in small town. Like at the least you could have done was encourage that. So I am all over it with my child. Like I'm not playing around. We're making noise. I mean, everything great is coming from the HBCU world now. My best friend went to Howard and you know, I just, we we never really talked about it and it's just insane. And then I went and visited her and I was like, why, why didn't I go to school here? Well, she was the smarter one in the group. It's fine. She was. She really was. I was like, really? You just decided to be smart and not tell nobody about this gym? It is what it is. You know. It's all All part of art. Can we talk about how you got me, you you encouraged me to get drunk before the podcast by drinking? Can we talk about how what your viewers did not see is that I popped a bottle of champagne before this podcast. I just wanted to say that. We have to throw it out there because you have a whole bottle of Vouv Clicquot right next to you and it is wonderful. I do. I do. And in full transparency, it will be gone at some point tonight. I love it. Okay. So after Howard, where did Kara go? What did Kara do? Yep. So I went to the executive training program and then I started getting into pharmaceutical sales. I was a drug rep. And I feel like that was an interesting, that was an interesting phase in my career because one, it's such a great job to have. I mean, you get a company car and you learn sales and, you know, shout out. My cousin is the person who brought me in, who's like a big sister to me. And she was probably one of the top five reps at the time. And she brought me in and she said, you know, you have what it will take to succeed here. And so I loved my experience there for so long and had, she was right. I did really, really well, but then I got this jerk chauvinist boss Mm. for the first time. He came in from another company. He was definitely anti-woman. He was definitely anti-black strong woman. And we butted heads. And during the time, as you know, my sister got diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. And for me, as someone who rarely took a day off, I'm a workaholic. It was the first time that I needed to take time off to support my dying sister. And he, his name is Troy. I say his name all the time. I'm sure I don't care about saying his name. His name is Troy. And he made my life hell at the time, Rachel, because I remember feeling like he didn't believe me. It was a really big piece of my journey. And I always have these little bookmarks in your journey where you put a page mark, you could highlight this section of your life, because sometimes you have to understand when God puts things in your life that are obstacles, you have to learn how to praise God through that. Because On the other side of that horrible experience with my sister dying, a horrible boss, was how my entrepreneurial journey started. Mm -hmm. So long story short, he didn't believe me that my sister was dying. He would say things like, you need to give me 24 hours notice. And I have a career. If I want to take off, you know, the day, I don't want to give you 24 hours notice. Because chemo and cancer doesn't give you 24 hours notice, right? So I was laid off from this job. And because mostly because of him and that was my sister passed away three months after being diagnosed. And that was the beginning of my freedom journey in a lot of ways, because I was used to being everyone's fixer, everyone's problem solver. So what I did 
was I ran away from everybody. I picked up all my belongings and moved to California. Did not know more than two or three people there. You sure did. Did not have a job. Was just like, this is where I'm going to start my journey. And that's how it happened. You know, I learned a lot about you when you were going through that situation with your sister. I think there was just something about you that loved her so much. And a different side of you really came out as you went through that. The Kara that did that picked up and left and went to California, really, you were on a path. And I think we all kind of knew it because no one was like, what are you doing? Where are you going? We were all just like cheering for you. Go on, Kara, do it. Do it. We can't wait to hear about it. And you did. I mean- the glow up was real. So talk to me about the entrepreneurial journey and how you knew even what you wanted to do, what you wanted to start, because you have a business partner, right? The business partner was formed over the bottle Jack Daniels. We were friends of friends on my couch talking about shenanigans and then randomly a show idea that we had for an unscripted series. Knew some people in in Los Angeles and they said, this is a fantastic idea. Come and pitch it to us. So we put all the pieces together. She was a Deloitte consultant at the time, engineer, totally yin to my yang, but we always just had friends in common. And we decided that we were going to pursue this together. In that journey, we tried to hire who was labeled the best quote unquote marketing firm that money can buy. And we were so disappointed in their performance. We found that people were either out of the box creative and had no ability to project manage and bring and had the business acumen to get a project done in a way that we were used to coming from corporate America, or people were super analytical and understood project management, but they were just did not have their ear to the street. And what was interesting was that we finally started packaging this project ourselves. And every room we went into, people were like, who did this? Who wrote this? This is amazing. And we realized that that was probably something when you notice like, things in your career journey that you had no idea were gifts, we were always well-packaged. We always knew the right words. And so what we were able to create for ourselves, we couldn't pay for. So we started realizing that in film, that was didn't make enough money, but we realized, okay, between the two of us, we could create this marketing branding agency. Eight or nine years later, we don't know which one, we debate about whether we're in year eight or year nine, we have built a multi-million dollar company We have had about 20% growth every single year. I don't want to brag, but I want to brag because I brag. Please brag. Yes. Proud of it. You know what I mean? You're taught like, oh, don't, you know, but I'm going to talk my talk for a second because, you know, I have some of the best, most well-known, Whoopi Goldberg and Kyrie Irving and the city of Los Angeles and probably eight colleges and university, Howard being one. I have some of the most amazing and well-known household name clients that is. And I don't talk a lot about it because yeah, we're so busy doing the work, you know? And so people yeah. are really, some of my closest friends have no idea what I do because I've been so busy making babies and doing work <laughs> that I haven't had time to really tell people what I've been up to. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. And I do. Sometimes I see these posts or these videos. I'm like, man, what is Kara up to? She is over there killing it. You flipped a page today and we're in a magazine. And I'm like, she is like creating some serious stuff over there. And it's, she's totally behind the scenes with it. So yeah, yeah, you are. And I, I think that's cool though. So tell me about what you really love about what you do. So how did you know that this was something that you wanted to continue? Because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, 
get into something, right? They find a passion. They decide they want to maybe make that passion their career. It doesn't really work out. Yeah. Uh, so for all those entrepreneurs that are listening, how did you know to just keep pushing and get those types of results? Well, first, I'm going to probably say things that a lot of people will be like, oh, that's wrong to say. Entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Just because you have a passion about something, I believe that is like probably 20% of the equation. How I knew that entrepreneurial life was right for me is because I am 100% dedicated to getting things done. And I actually have developed the right skill set to lead, to motivate, to match my work ethic with my vision. And so I feel that I, I mentor a lot of people and I sit on a board and I'm shamed a lot because I tell people I'm not here for everybody. I am not here for everybody. I am here for the people who are 100% diehard committed to pursuing their goals and passions. And that develops at different points for different people. I was a late bloomer. That didn't develop for me till I was 30 plus years old. But nonetheless, it developed. Something clicked one day and my passion met my work ethic and my discipline met my hustle and my relationships All of it came together at the same perfect time. And then my business partner, I recognized that she had everything I didn't and more. And so she was truly my better half in business. And the sex agency would be nothing without her at all because she is actually the perfect yin to my yang and the balance to what makes us. And you have to find as an entrepreneur, if you are depleted in areas that you need your business to excel in, you actually need to find your Tamara Keller. So, you know, you can mildly make some money. I'm not talking about six figure. I'm talking about how to build a seven figure, eight figure company. I did not have the capabilities to do that alone. I needed to find a business partner who was great in the areas that I lacked in. Absolutely. You know, I think that's so key. When I was working in insurance and working with agents, one of the things they'd always ask is, you know, well, I've got to manage people, but I'm trying to sell business, right? And I'm like, yeah. And if you're not good with managing people, you need to go find someone who is. Like, yeah. you need yeah. to go, like, if you're good at sales, go sell, get your clients, like, do what you need to do, but you need to go find an office manager. And I don't think a lot of people think about that. Like, if that is not your ministry, if that is not your talent, you need to go find someone who can do that for you. Cheers so, to staying in your lane. That's yeah. What you're Stay in your lane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and recruit people who are great and great in their lane. It's like absolutely. Yeah, I love it. So, tell me, who is the sax client, sax agency client? Who is it that you look for? So people hear this and they're like, "Oh, I want to call Karen and see if she can help me build this amazing brand." Who is it that you that you bring on? So we have graduated. We've evolved. I mean, every small business understands that sometimes you start out in startup businesses. I always tell the Mrs. Fields cookies story. Mrs. Fields cookies, for those who don't know, she knew her cookies were so damn good that she gave them away for free initially. So that's how a big piece of how we built our business. And especially in, in Hollywood is we needed to give services away. We're past that point. We don't give our services away. For I know that's right. Anymore. We have um, tax, okay? So yeah. But the cool thing is like Apple, Microsoft reached out to our agency. Shout out to Apple and Microsoft. They reached out to our agency because at this time, what we focus on is multicultural marketing. Specifically, we are strong in black and brown communities. I mean, we're strong in a lot of areas, but I think our passion lies in underserved communities and making sure that 
corporations know how to speak to our people in a way that is sensitive, in a way that's authentic, in a way that recognizes us as the powerful, amazing market that we are. So we're that agency. Also, we run two sides of the house. So my business partner runs the boring side of the house. She works in corporations and does all the university and corporate business. We go after a lot of RFPs. The city of Los Angeles is a client of ours. We do, we get a lot of RFPs, which are requests for proposals that we bid for. And we win a lot of those bids. She's the arm that wins that. I work on the fun side of the house, which is more like all of the crazy creatives in the world. So I work in the <laughs> entertainment and I get the calls at the two in the morning. That's my side of the house. So I think an interesting client, clients for us are people who desire to communicate in a culturally sensitive way, who care more about diversity at their dinner table than they just do at their websites. Like, you know, yes. preach on, yeah. let's speak on that for a minute. How many times as, a, as an owner of a marketing firm do you hear People tell us, oh, just make sure that you have diversity on our website. And like, I am have zero shame at this point in my game and challenging my clients and saying, but where is the diversity at your dinner table, right? Where's the diversity in your culture? We are the firm that will challenge you. We are the firm that will bring you up to speed. We are the firm that will tell you with the most love and hugs surrounding you that you have a long way to go, that you need to tear this whole foundation down, okay, and build it from the ground up. That's hard to hear because a lot of agencies and a lot of people want to just put a fixture on the wall. Let's go and hang the diversity picture frame on the wall. Yep. We're not your girl. And we need to check, right? Our minimum retainer is probably around 15K. So we have evolved. Thank yep. God. Yeah. Uh, that's where we are. That's the, that's the market that we serve. I appreciate that. As a diversity leader, I struggle a lot of times doing this work. I struggle for a lot of reasons. Being the voice for the organization, being put in front of people, being the person who should have the answers. And a lot of times organizations not really integrating the work into their business, but just expecting it to all kind of land on your diversity leader. That's not how this works. And so I appreciate those organizations that really don't perpetuate that behavior. And that really say the system has got to change. Because for me, while I run a business, I don't offer diversity training. And a lot of people ask me why I don't do that. And I don't offer it because while I think it's a great part of the solution, I don't think it's the answer. And so until an organization is ready to actually make changes to policy and process, I'm not going to offer education. So Wow. Let me just take my (laughs) shirt off the bat. You just made it hot in here. I mean, that is what I'm talking about. That's where we are right now. Yeah, that's where we are. Like we have started to normalize the fact that the numbers aren't changing. You go to the website and the company still look the same and we're normalizing that that's okay. And the reality is it's not. How how long are we going to keep saying, well, we can't find the talent? You know, you can make changes in your organization. You can start adding diversity components to your performance reviews. You know, you can start adding it as a part of your bonus structure. You can do what you need to do to make changes. Right. <laughs> to influence. So I love hearing that. Maybe. So I'm going to ask you a question because I want to take advantage of like the free help that I I have read some recent studies that you can probably speak quite a bit on about the talent shortage that's scheduled to happen in 2030. And so they're projecting this huge global talent shortage that's going to affect businesses across the globe, saying that it's not necessarily a shortage of talent, 
but it's a shortage of the skill set to feed the needs, the supply and demand needs of the talent. So I'm curious to know from an HR person's, I know this is your podcast, but I'm doing what I yeah. do best. <laughs> Look, you're right. You're just flipping the script. I'm you know, the on you. I, I love it. I think we always say that. I almost hate that we like live in this mindset of like, let's fear what we're not going to know, that people aren't going to have these skills. There's some amazing people out there that are keeping up with skills and doing exactly what they need to that are ahead of the game. You hop on Clubhouse or Twitter or Instagram and people are people are way ahead of their jobs. Their jobs are not keeping up with them. So I think that there's not going to be a labor shortage or even a skill shortage. I really think the question is, are organizations keeping up with the skill? So are we evolving, right? right. Are, we, are we thinking about can technology solve that problem? So I, I really think it's, I think it's on the flip side. I think it's that organizations aren't necessarily keeping up and that people that we are constantly evolving and we're constantly yeah. reskilling. Yeah. I appreciate that perspective. It's interesting because some of the mistakes that we made as an organization that we had to be very transparent about is that we built this customer centric organization and we just served our clients needs all day long. And it, sometimes it would just we would do it to the point of tears and labor. And in this year, you know, I sent out to all of our staff, my strategic vision. And number one on the list for our strategic vision was to become, to create a meaningful employee experience at, at our agency. And I realized that business owners like myself are kind of scared of what that means because actually that means a lot of hard work for us, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> We're going to ask you guys, what makes you feel meaningful? How can we do this? And then just sit on it, right? So, yep. but we realized that that was a mistake. Like you got to invest in your people. I'm most excited about the Saks agency to be on the list of the best companies to work for. It's not going to be tomorrow because we just, that was just January 1 that we started embedding this to be a meaningful employee centric environment first and the customers and the clients will get the fruits of that labor. So yes. I am happy to say that I screwed up a little bit and I was honest. That's incredible. That's a that's a big statement for a leader to make. It is. I have other big statements. We will be the largest Black-owned marketing firm in the country. Mm. Uh, and we will be the best place to work for. So all of my other competitors, it's like, you know, I play in the sandbox. I'm confident enough in the fact that there's enough room for us all to play in this space. And so there's great people like that, that do what we do, that do it probably even better than us. Who knows? <laughs> but we do a pretty amazing job too. So Yeah. So tell me, why is it so important for you to have that representation? Because I feel like you've talked about that a lot. So why do you feel like you need to have that representation within your employees, within your team, what do you feel like that brings to your agency? So, so the culture at my agency is that you treat every single client like it's your, like their company is your baby. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the culture, it would be very backwards not to treat my employees like they're not mine. They make our clients happy every day. They are the heart and soul of the organization. And for so long, I thought it was the people who paid the bills mm -hmm. and it's not you know, I'm grateful for, don't get me wrong, grateful for every single person who has patroned my business over the years, but it is the Cammies, my executive assistant and project manager. It is the Amandas who are 
literally savants in the art director world. I think about like, you know, Avi Terry, who from my staff, like she was one of my first graphic designer and art directors. And she went on to start her own business. And I still use her because I watched the evolution. And now you can't, I can't even afford Vi. It's so, it's so <laughs> insane. Vi, if you're, if you watch this, I can't even afford you now. And you came from us. And so it's crazy to watch how people develop and they leave you and you just, if you're good to people, they still love you. And they're still always, she'll always be a part of the family because she built my business. I will still argue her down on her prices because now sometimes when I still want to use her, she's tremendous. She doesn't always give me the great rates, but it's fine. It's a for me. You're calling her out. I love it. What's next for you when you think about And maybe it's something for you personally, or maybe it's for the agency. Where do you see your journey continuing? Is there something that you really want for yourself to just kind of continue to feel like you're elevating and and fueling yourself? Yeah. So, you know, I thought about this in preparation for this podcast about what freedom meant to me. Yeah. And what freedom really means to me is being in control of my time and money. And I know that may sound a little superficial, but I heard my pastor, Wayne Chaney, challenges congregation and said, open up your checkbook and inventory where your money goes, right? Every month Mm. and where your time goes. And does that align with your personal value system? Listen, listen. Okay. So let me go deeper, right? I'm going to go deep on this. So I opened up my checkbook or went online, who has checkbooks anymore, and noticed that my money went to food, Postmates, Grubhub, Instacart, and my time went to my family. Mm-hmm. And that was beautiful, right? A little bit, but I have so much to share with the world. So this was like two years ago. What I immediately did was I started saying, what is Kara's value system, right? And I started instantly making donations, monthly reoccurring donations, not large ones, it doesn't matter where you are. If you you know just got your first job, make a $5 donation to the United Negro College Fund if education is your passion. Make a $5 monthly donation so that when you get 88, 99, 106 years old, you're like, for the last 60 years, I've made $5 donations to the... It doesn't matter where you are. Your yeah. money and your time are the two biggest sacrifices you can make, right? Mm-hmm. So freedom is being in control of that and not letting it control you. And so for me, my project, what's next for Kara is one, my shirt, you know, if you get to read it, more black women on boards. I want to serve on more boards, right? Global boards. I have an interesting voice. I'm a fantastic visionary and I need to be on more boards to share and lend my feedback and my perspective to make organizations greater. I am in the process, Tamara and I are writing a book on self-sabotage that will be out this year. Yes. Um, And it's a fantastic piece of work that we're really proud of. And we're taking our time doing and we're writing it together. And that has been a fantastic journey because we believe that you need to get out of your own way and you're putting a ceiling over your head by your own actions. So we talk a lot about that. And then just being a fantastic mom, a connected mom that is incredibly present in my children's life. And maybe they have to see our teacher and our nanny at the soccer games with mom on a conference call, Mm -hmm. but mom is at the game. So first of all, shout out to you for giving a monthly donation to this podcast and being my first. 
So look, you are sowing those seeds and I appreciate you. Look that talk and walk that walk. You think I was just going to come on here and not promote? First of all, I did not make that donation until I listened to your podcast, okay? Yes. I wasn't supporting you just because you're my girl. Yeah. I supported I you because I liked your perspective. And I actually sent a text message to my business partner. So I, you know, I promoted you, right? Yeah. Yep. To five of my friends. I didn't just put my money. I just promoted the podcast. So I Thank gave you. you that donation because you earned it. And I'm proud to support that monthly. And that's going to be a part of my legacy of where my time and my money goes to uh, things that I believe in. Thank you. I love that. So let's, let's talk about celebrating. So when you have a moment, a freedom moment where you are like, I did that. Like I showed up as me. I was unapologetic. How do you celebrate? So literally, and this is going to sound cheesy. My ideal of fun is literally with my kids and with my family and with my friends. So my celebration is literally like being with no bra granny panties on some sweatpants in the bed because I that's where I do a lot of my work after hours with my kids in my arms chilling talking about it with my man who also is fantastic and supports me with all of my craziness and loves me in spite of all of the things that I do to him (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that man still loves me boy he loves you to death Oh my goodness. That's a fact. Okay. So that really hasn't changed because Kara in Chicago, you would go out, but like we would drag you, you'd get there and you'd have a great time and you would be amazing. But what you loved even more is when we kind of had like our girl nights in and just kind of made food and hung out. So that has not changed. It has not. I would love to cook for you and feed you. We will have an eating and drinking good old time, but I'm not with all this in these street stuff anymore. So so what are you doing in your free time? Uh, if, you, if people follow you on Instagram, they I've seen you boxing. Yep. You, you do, you're still doing workouts. What do you do in your free time? I play tennis every Friday. That's a part of my, I do, I, I join the Peloton movement as well. Yes. And I'm a reader. I'm a big reader. So I don't have a lot of spare time these days, but I have really found recently a uh, passion in reading in the stock market and learning that, which has really been an interesting piece of it. I'm so inspired by people who are experts in that space. I follow this guy named Mark Monroe, who I just found, he does this come upstairs. You got to watch him. Okay. He makes you learn it yourself. But I mean, I don't know this man at all, but I just am a fan of his because of what he's doing for our community and educating us on the stock market and how to make smart, wise decisions with our money. I'm definitely going to check him out. I am on a journey to financial freedom. I am claiming it. And I am, I want to be able to focus on my time and where my money is going. So I love that advice. So Kara, how can people find you? If they want to follow your journey, follow the business, where should they go? Our agency website is thesaxagency.com. My Instagram is Kara C. Sachs. And I'm on LinkedIn, of course. I'm always looking for people who are like-minded to connect with. I believe 100% at this moment in time that nothing is built by myself, that all of these things that I've created or that our team has created can be gone overnight. I'm very humble in the fact that I have to work hard and remain steadfast and focused on being kind and radiating what I want back in life. So that's where people can find me. 
I love what you're doing. Please keep supporting our community. We need you. We need your team of incredible experts. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. I love you so much. And cheers to you, even though you have made me drink by myself. I did. I was like, look, I'm still working. How is this possible? (laughs) You're not going to give me bad sex because you didn't look me in my eyes and cheers with me. Look, I know. I need to get it together. (laughs) Get it together. Get it together. (laughs) Thanks so much, girl. Love you. Love you too. hope you enjoyed today's episode. As I continue my journey to freedom, you already know I'm celebrating the wins along the way with bubbly sips of champagne. No matter how you celebrate, just know that I'm toasting to your success. Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rachel HR. You can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn at Rachel McBride. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcast and hit that subscribe button so you can get notifications of new episodes every Wednesday. If your business needs help with diversity planning, please check the show notes or visit our website, corporateken.com. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.